and welcome to Represent the Podcast, the show where I, Katie Beth McKinney, sit down with composers from historically marginalized and underrepresented backgrounds and discuss their works for the horn. Hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Represent the Podcast, a show where I talk with composers who are historically underrepresented or marginalized in the classical music world, classical with a loose quotation marks. Um, today I have Shanice Strickland, who is a multi-talented, multi-instrumental uh, composer, arranger, educator, performer, you name it, she does it. Welcome, Shanice. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you. I'm, this is really exciting for me, so I'm very hyped up about this. <laughs> um, we'll just jump right in. So how did you get started in music and composition? Those can be two different questions and stories if you want to share them. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. So music's always been like a thing growing up for me. I'm an only child. So it's just always been me and my mom and, you know, she would like her cleaning day was Sunday. So like I would just be sitting on the couch, of course, cause I'm an only child. So of course I don't do chores. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like chilling on the couch, watching my mom clean, but she would be playing, you know, like Prince and she's a big Prince fan. Um, she played uh, Parliament and the Funkadelics and, you know, so not honestly, I wasn't really exposed to classical music until I got into school. And, you know, I love listening to this music at home. So uh, when I got the opportunity to pick up an instrument, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And for some reason, like all of my friends wanted to play clarinet. And I'm like, oh, clarinet. Like what? Like I went to a very small, like private school. So like there was like the music program was like really tiny. So we didn't have any brass at all. It was like a total of five students and everybody picked the clarinet, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick the flute because I'm different and I am who I am. <laughs> like just off from a young age, I was already independent and looking to just do like different things and other people, you know? So, um, yeah, I started playing flute when I was nine. And then, uh, when I got, you know, got better and stuff and I started to pick up other instruments like the horn I started picking that up in middle school and again like it was a very like just I want to say like non-traditional kind of program you know like literally my band director was just like hey you want to play the French horn or you want to learn how to play that and I was like yeah why not like you know I felt like I was getting pretty good on the flute so I was trying to expand my horizons a little bit and so I was like kind of self-taught because he was a bassoon player. He didn't really know what to do like at all. But, you know, self-taught like with like little to like, like I was getting by. OK, like I was not the greatest French horn player. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I also picked up trombone and just like I was like definitely doing like the jack of all trades thing. But I just one thing I just knew I love music and I love making different sounds with music and, and different instruments and stuff like that. So yeah, like fast forward to high school, I'm still kind of doing like horn, flute, and a little bit trombone, like in jazz and stuff. And then I, um, <clears throat> I like, you know, it's time for college or whatever. And so I really didn't know what I wanted to, uh, to choose as it like a primary instrument. So my band director was just like, well, just audition on all three. <laughs> and so I'm like okay you know Whoa. that narrowed it down you know <laughs> so I played a flute solo I played some horn and then I played a euphonium solo I think at the time I don't know why just 
Yeah, I was just playing everything. <laughs> but I like auditioned <laughs> all three when I was at uh, Youngstown State University. And um, I was like, okay, so I probably won't get in on like all of these instruments. So it'll kind of narrow down my choice. You know, I ended up getting accepted in like all three <laughs> of them. So I still didn't know. I'm like, okay, well, who's going to give me the most money? And then, of course, the flute one. So I'm like, okay, no I'll kidding. play flute. You know, so I started out actually at YSU as a flute major, but then um, my grandmother passed and I used to play flute for her all the time. And, you know, I just started college and it was just like a lot of like chaos going on. So I'm like, you know what? I can't even touch that instrument. Like, it's just too hard for me to even like be associated with right now. So I went to the uh, the horn professor at the time, Bill Slocum, and I asked him, I'm like, so... I kind of got accepted into the French horn studio, but I like turned it down, but I'm kind of wanting to come back if that's okay. And he was just like, Oh, of course. Like he was like totally for it. So I was super thankful to him just because looking back at all of that, it's just like, you know, if what happened happened, it just sometimes mm-hmm. unfortunate events happen, but then from those unfortunate events becomes like really amazing things that you never even thought would be possible so it's just like you know if it wasn't for him you know my grandmother passing and all this other stuff like I probably wouldn't have been a horn player I would have stuck with the flute which you know who knows where I would have been if I would have played (laughs) stuck with that you know what I mean but Mm -hmm. yeah just like I'm telling this story and I'm just like man you know some some like great things can happen from like really sucky times (laughs) I could not agree more I completely agree with you oh my gosh (laughs) Yeah, we don't even have time to go into my life story, but I'm the same way. Like the way things happened or the way they happened, you know? You know? Oh my gosh. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like after that, um, I ended up sticking with Horn and uh, I was like composing all throughout high school too. So like we had this really small marching band and we played all this like, you know, the... The traditional whack, just (laughs) not exciting, not hip, not current, like marching band music. I mean, there's a time and a place for it. I I love marching band, but just I wanted to do something that was like more relatable to like, you know, the current 2000s, not stuff from like 1945, like just like, you know what I mean? Oh, you didn't want to play the yeah song or the hey song, you know, over and over. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. I did not want to do that. So I started arranging like these like hip hop tunes that was like popular on the radio at the time. And it got, it was a good experience because I I had to learn like, you know, the transpositions for everything. (laughs) So like going from like horn to like clarinet or horn to trumpet, like Mm -hmm. that fourth is like crazy, especially like when you don't have any music (laughs) theory background. I'm just like, what? But I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Like I just, I got used to it and I got used to like, writing for like what I felt like was like different languages and stuff. So it prepared me for where I am today. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> that's I got here. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I, I remember the most current thing we played when I was in marching band was ushers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that takes me yes, a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> yep, we did too. Yep. Everybody did. Oh, we yeah. did it. That was like the 2000s thing to do. <laughs> exactly. You're absolutely oh, the correct. throwback. Yep. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So this may be a bit of a silly question, but um, how did you start composing for horn specifically? Was that just because you liked the way it sound or was there a more specific reason? 
Um, you know, so I didn't actually, and this is kind of crazy. Like I was doing the arranging and stuff when I was in high school, but I think that it wasn't until grad school that I realized that I wanted to present the horn in a non-traditional way than what it was presented in the past. You know, like whenever you go to college, your teachers are these orchestral players usually that have won a big job or a local job or just like known well enough to like get a teaching job but it's usually just in classical music and if you have like one of these typical western european instruments then it usually you know it's going to be hard to find a teacher it's like a very special like very narrow (laughs) amount of people that do that kind of thing so Mm -hmm. in grad school i realized that i wanted to do more for horn but i realized that there wasn't enough music out there And so I had to either kind of like, I performed some pieces. Like I did, um, I kind (laughs) of turned Mozart's three, uh, the horn concerto, the third Mm -hmm. horn concerto. I like turned it inside out and I like wrote all these jazz chords to, to it and like completely flipped the melodies. And so basically all that to say is that like, when I realized that there wasn't enough music for the kind of thing that I wanted to do, that's when I started writing for horn. Because I mean, like, you know, being a performer of the instrument just made it easy for me to know what kind of sounds I wanted to use, know, like, you know, just idiomatically what will work and what won't work, but like me also pushing the envelope to make, you know, because I can do some weird stuff on horn (laughs) that not a lot of people can do. (laughs) So like trying to find I want to know examples. Uh, I mean, I think so... I can, it's so weird. I turn my <laughs> mouth sideways and I blow air out of my mouth sideways and it gets this like motorboat, like kind of weird sound. I don't have my horn out right now or I saw it demonstrate, but it like makes this like. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, I put it in one of my pieces that I uh, composed from one of my friends back home recently. And he's like, I don't even know if I could do that. I'm like, you're going to figure it out because I can do it. So <laughs> I love that. I love I'm that. Like, it's, it's in the piece. So you have to do it. I'm like, that's the thing about being a composer. Like I am the master. You have to listen. Like classical musicians have to listen to what I say. I think that's a very you're the ultimate ruler. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely a very narcissistic thing. And I am not a narcissist. People, please don't think I'm a narcissist. But it's just that one little, you know, it's nice being in control sometimes. And so as a composer, I'm like, hey, you have to do what I say. Period. That's it. You know, that might be the French horn player in us. Our instrument is so out of control that when you get to the composer part, you're like, now, now I've got it. (laughs) See, thank you. You cleaned that up really well for me. That was perfect. Yep. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. So, okay. As a horn player who writes music, do you find there any difficulties, you know, when you compose for horn, you know, you just mentioned one, you know, other players thinking they can't do what you do. Do you run into anything else? Um, yeah, like, okay, so the way that I write, um, and like the commissions that I've done, like recently and in the past, usually people want me to write in what they refer to, like, as like my style, like, so like my style of playing or my style of improvising. And usually that derives from like, a mix of like gospel and R&B. 
And if you like know anything about those genres, like the singers like will sing these like really fast licks. And I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to even sing it. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just, it's really fast. And so me trying to write that out for Horn, sometimes just, you know, I don't know. I mean, just the horn problems that we have, like playing fast licks really clean. Like uh-huh. I want to, I want to write things and I want it to sound like me playing my flute, but me playing it on horn. And that's the thing. It's just, it's not as fluid sometimes, but there are some like really, really good players out there that can do it. So it's just like, it pushes me as a horn player to like try to emulate these things. And especially when I have somebody, you know, that will dare to even have me write for them. I'm like, oh, you want me to write for you? So you know what this means, right? Like, you know what you're going to be doing? (laughs) And it's just like, I mean, yes. And I'm like, okay. Because people will tell me, like, I don't don't want any limits. It's like, you know, and I think, again, it's the horn player ego. It's like, I can play anything. Mm -hmm. You know who I am? Oh, come on, bring it. And I'm like, okay. But then I started like writing these super fast R&B licks for horn. And it's just like, I, what it, I don't know how this got, you know, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the thing is just like trying to like for in my mind and for the genre that I just the culture that I want to kind of implement in my music. Some of the factors is it is just it's not idiomatic for the instrument at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not. And so, yeah, I'm sure, you know. You have to find different ways to try to like make it happen. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. like uh, I'm in New York, like with a or New Jersey area. So a lot of horn players like play triple horns. So I'm like, that's like a sure way to just cheat and just, you know, be able to play all this <laughs> magical stuff. So I'm no like, excuses. hey, like <laughs> it's not impossible. So yeah, that, that's the only thing that I run into is just like the fat, the really fast kind of, it has to be really fluid, you know, like horns. Yeah, you know how horn is. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, believe me, I know. <laughs> it is yeah. a struggle. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, so, yeah. That's great. And, you know, I, I was just thinking about it. And R&B and gospel both are traditionally not notated the way that we would notate a, like a solo horn piece. And I imagine it's hard maybe to bring some of that aesthetic into traditional notation. Um, absolutely absolutely you know the thing is is that um and it's (laughs) honestly it's like it's very intimidating and I know before we kind of started this you said that you were speaking to somebody that was um like you know like all about classical stuff and this is not like you know necessarily an argument but there's a big button there (laughs) um I have to say you know I've seen and been a part of, honestly, so many different debates about um, classical music versus, not even versus, but classical music and just the training, like the pedagogy Mm -hmm. involving improvisation. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to, well, you know, for lack of a better phrase, the classical music snobs, okay? (laughs) These people that are like, you know, Beethoven or die um are they 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 think that jazz and you know r&b 
even pop music, to be honest, like it's just like the dumbest thing ever. And a classical musician could just, you know, with a few tries, with a few goes at it, can like just perfectly emulate this genre. And I'm like, you don't understand. Okay, so all that said to that point is that when I'm writing like these R and B and gospel things, what they look like is. 30 second quintuplets mm, <laughs> that's yum. you know that's the thing <laughs> that like because I'm I'm trying to stay true to both genres as much as much as possible I get mm. like very like mathematical with everything so you know of course with these genres like rhythm is king just like jazz is so like it's really yeah. like everything when if you are able to write it out because of course these people have like really good time you can mathematically break it down and it will be 64th notes sometimes like just really literally just like a well we would probably like say like a rip is and a warning you know like something like that or it'll be yeah like the 32nd note runs where it's just like like something crazy like that if you were playing it in a classical sense you would have to definitely look like four times at it before you actually nailed it. Right. So, You're going to just make the person panic, you know, when they see yeah, it on the Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> when we see all that ink on the page, honey, we're like, wait, wait a minute. Like, but right. the thing is, like, the other thing about the genres is it's all about color. So it, it leaves room for, like, maybe, like, a little bit of a mistake, which I know as a classical musician, it's like, no, we have to be perfect Whoa. all the time. But <laughs> right. if you really want to, like, capture the essence of this music, like, you kind of have to smear notes. Like, everything can be clean. But I will just say, like I said, yeah, it's it's really, it can get really complicated. And I've been in situations where I will give my music to these classical musicians that are supposed to be able to do everything. I definitely won't name any names, <laughs> but they'll send, you know, they'll literally send the composition back to me and say, um, these rhythms are too complex. And my thing is, now I'm really going to tell you the T now. <laughs> well, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> my thing is, is that, you know, again, these people are very respectable, their names, their jobs and everything. But when a person comes to me and tells me like, well, this rhythm is too complex. Now I'm kind of looking at you sideways because mm-hmm. again, we're supposed to be perfectionists in this, in this, when you choose that type of career to be a professional musician in classical music, in classical music, like you have to play everything exactly what's mm-hmm. on the page and then put some human expression in it. Right. So it's just like, but everything technically the notes the rhythms the tempo that has to be right Mm -hmm. so the fact that some of these musicians it's almost like they just won't take it serious enough but also they take advantage of the fact that I'm a living composer who can literally just Mm -hmm. like do this in like three seconds so it's just like you kind of think it's like well you know it's like I'm commissioning you to do this piece so yeah like I don't sound that good in this key so can you like raise it or like you know can you lower it and I'm just like but that's the thing though I feel like it's just like you taking advantage because you wouldn't be doing this with like a Beethoven piece or like Mozart or something that you found you know in the you know in the catalogs for one of these big composers you would have to Mm -hmm. play it as is but then when you get my stuff it's like oh 
it's just it yeah can you kind of just condense it because you know it's just kind of and i'm just like oh so oh so so it's like they want you to bring it down to their level instead of them rising to meet you yes yes and i and i feel like part of it is because i mean you can say that i'm wrong I, i don't really know the reason but it's just the genre it's this again you know classical music what do we think of when we think of classical music? Like elitism. That's what I mm-hmm. think of first off. And Valid. just like, you know, very high expectations, you know, and again, mm-hmm. perfectionism. So it's like, they don't carry that same energy when it's like, Oh, again, jazz. Oh, the blues. Mm-hmm. I could play that in my sleep. Come on. What are the notes? Seven, eight notes. Come on. Like, you know, it's just like, or like pop music. Like, what is that? Like four, three or four chords. Like, this is a, this is dumb people music. It's 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 simple progressions. Like that's so beneath mm-hmm. us. But I'm like, yeah, but when you see what they're actually doing, and I mm-hmm. ask you to do, emulate that on your instrument, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you won't be able to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, if they tried to even speak at the speeds that these you know rap artists can do, I mean, it's it's that's a whole art form, you know, being able to, to articulate and speak that quickly. And we can't articulate it. I will speak for myself. I can't articulate that quickly on the horn. Like some of these modern artists can do in the pop and rap and, and genres. And it's, it's crazy that we think we're somehow better because we, you know, do the loot on a horn. You know, it's, <laughs> it's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but I really appreciate the fact that you as a classically trained musician can say like, hey, I appreciate some things about hip-hop. It's not about the profanity or what they're saying. Like, I don't listen to super harsh trap rap. I'm not into that kind of thing, but I appreciate Mm -hmm. hip-hop thoroughly, not just because I grew up with it, but because, again, like like you said, like the, the rhythmic schemes that some of these people create without having, like, a drum or an instrument to actually emulate that on, it's amazing. So it's just like we, you know, you have to appreciate the genres for the qualities that they have. You don't have to like them. But I just feel like, you know, as a musician, like be versatile enough and like show, show that, you know, like a broad, like, like you have a broad knowledge of music, not just, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm a classical musician. So I listen to classical music and I'm like, so you don't listen to country. You don't listen to rock. You don't listen to metal. You don't, there's so many things and I can write a book about the reasons of why <laughs> we need to expose ourselves to all these genres, not just classical music. I'll read it. <laughs> it might be a thing. You never know. Listen, I feel like I'm not old enough to write a book yet. Like I'm 31. I'm like, come on. That's like book writing is like at your forties, but it's just like, all right, I need to settle down and drink the coffee a little whiskey and then you know write a book oh i love that one of my friends and i are plotting a book right now and i just turned 30 so now i have to question if i'm doing this to you <laughs> oh no don't listen to me i'm just having the third the over 30 blues i'm like i'm old Oh, girl, I, feel, I mean, like I said, I just turned 30. I am right there with you. It suddenly doesn't feel like we're the prodigies anymore. You know, we're supposed you know to have our lives mean? together. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my gosh. I'm I know like, exactly what, what you mean. That's well, a whole other class. We could do a whole podcast about that and classical music and, and young age stuff. Oh, man, that's gonna be like part two. We'll do another episode. <laughs> I'm telling you. We'll just you. talk but about you know, that. Ugh. I am happy that like, you know, 
being old, like over 30, I'm like, I'm feeling settled though. You know, it's hey, like, I got through the twenties. I'm not like just out here. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yes. I, I, you're I'm out there playing for the together. Heisman ceremonies. You're, you're living the dream. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you know, I'm like, I'm proud of where I am right now. You know, I might mm-hmm. feel a little old. The knees are starting to give. <laughs> but I mean, hey, like, we're, right we're, there we're doing you. pretty good. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man. Oh, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm going to, okay, from that super fun part, I'm going to bring it to something kind of dry because I'm kind of curious about this. Um, sure. This is one of my little pet things I like to know. So how do you start your composition process? Do you have a melody in your head and then you write it down or does it unfold as you're writing? How does that work for you? Um. Okay, so usually, like, I haven't really kind of just came up with something um some most of the time when I'm writing something people will uh ask for certain things they'll ask for certain things but they'll be like very like vague with it so it gives me like kind of just still an open canvas to work with but you know like my friend right now I'm working on a funk piece for a friend of mine and so I know what that funk sounds like and really I mean it just kind of unfolds you know, like if, again, if I'm trying to kind of emulate a certain genre, then, you know, I, I kind of know the the different facets of the genre. So like starting with a baseline and funk music, like that's something that's vital. So yeah. that, um, I kind of, I don't know, it's, this is going to sound so cliche, but it just comes from within me. And <laughs> <laughs> <That's perfect. laughs> literally I'll just be, and that's the thing though. I, I always encourage every musician, whether you're a performer or a teacher, educator, like whatever. I feel like everybody has the ability to come up with music if they wanted to. I mean, we're just like, we're always surrounded with so much music. And I mean, like, I may may be stretching it a little bit, but I just like, I feel like everybody's capable. If you really sat down and you wanted to come up with a melody and you pick the key, you can come up with stuff. You just have to like keep an open mind as to like how things can go. And I mean, when this music is like kind of unfolding, I think, you know, sometimes... It will be random like clips of like print songs that I like grew up with and it won't be the notes that he used verbatim, but it might be the same rhythm, but it'll be like my own kind of color on it. And if I'm writing for a specific orchestration, then I know how to role play a lot. I think that's a big thing in composing. It's just like, you know who like like identifying what those roles are what that's gonna be because I'm like that's like the basis of any song just like what what's actually gonna happen in it so if I'm like okay the base and then of course like you know very basic music theory things like you need a bass line and you need harmony and you need a melody so it's just like but who's gonna do that if I'm writing a like a woodwind trio for like horn flute and clarinet some I'm a low horn player, so I want the low, the horn to actually be the bass the bass part playing the bass part, and then I would have the clarinet be like the alto voice, and then the flute be the soprano voice. I mean, like you know, so it's like there's a bunch of different influences, you know, like I said, music theory, 
me growing up around like a bunch of just it's just like a big miscellaneous pot of composition soup composition <laughs> soup okay that's the episode title we just nailed it composition yep. soup that's perfect done <laughs> boom that's see? amazing you yep. just made my job Com- so much easier <laughs> see composition soup yeah composition You're soup welcome. That might be the name of your book too, honestly. Like, Look at that. Listen, soup. you're planting these seeds. You don't even know. I oh. love it. See, I'm. You're talking about this. I'm waiting for you to write like variations on a theme by Prince or something like that. I'm waiting for that piece of music. That's what I want. I love Listen, Prince. So I'm here for it. I'm gonna have to give you fifty percent for all of these proceeds because I'm writing this stuff down and I'm gonna do it. Good. <laughs> it's gonna you know, happen. You don't have to give me. Don't give me fifty percent. Just give me a name credit. That's all I. I need and I'm content. There you go. Yep, I got you. Right on the I'm front. I'm here for it. I right love on the it. front. I got you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm excited soup. now. Exactly. Opposition soup. <laughs> so good. Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna be waiting for that like book launch. Well, that's when we'll do part two. We'll do the book launch part. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. There we go. There we go. I'm I'll ready. be back. I'm folks. ready. So I'll be back. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Oh my gosh. And I guess you kind of already answered your compositional language. It's obviously very multi-inspired. You get it from everywhere. Now, do you compose on the horn? Like, do you sit down and play the lick you want to play on the horn and then write it down? Or is it at a piano? Are you a finale girl? Like, what's your move? So I, um, like, I, I have perfect pitch sometimes. Don't tell me <laughs> how that makes sense, but it does. <laughs> And okay. some people, we can equate that to having really good relative pitch. But like, mm-hmm. I just know sometimes I could just just pick the note and sometimes it's like pick the note out of thin air. And sometimes it's like muscle memory. Um, but yeah, so I don't, usually I don't play anything. Like when I'm composing, I know the note that I need to make or that I need to put into, you know, um, I use finale. And I also use mm-hmm. Note Flight for anybody that's. Oh, know, yeah, that's the free one, right? Yeah, um, it's free. And you can, like, mm-hmm. I have like a little, like, the little, the premium subscription, but it's like only eight bucks nice. a month. So, you know, and okay, it, that's, it's really. That's in my listen, <laughs> Okay, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, it's user friendly. <laughs> so, listen, I need to be getting like a sponsorship deal. Wait, wait, where's our Note Flight promo? <laughs> Like, I need to get a couple months free, no flight. I'm like putting you out there, I'm putting you on. But no, we'll tag really them in good... this podcast when it drops for sure. Yes, yep. See, there you go. Um, no, it's really user friendly. I've been using this for years, and you know, you got a little Wi Fi, you can take it with you on the go. It's awesome, but oh, but yeah, so I uh, yeah, I never really play anything before I compose it, like, regardless of the mm-hmm. instrument. I know kind of like the vibe that I'm going for and, um, you know, being a horn player, transposing in all 12 keys, like I already know what the notes are and what like the different, you know, the tessitores that I need to use. That's why, like I said, like when I was in high school and I was like playing all these instruments and I would play a trumpet, I would play a trombone, a euphonium, a flute, a horn, a tuba, like all this stuff, you know. And of course, I wasn't proficient in like all of these, but just just knowing, like, again, like that idiomatic, like just sense of how to how the instrument is supposed to sound, and, you know, the meat range and like when it gets a little thin, when it gets really low, like that kind of stuff, like it, 
really like it was it was very beneficial for me so yeah I don't I don't need to play anything I just sit there and type for hours and hours and hours (laughs) you just lose yourself in it and then like next thing you know six hours has gone by (laughs) yeah definitely and it's weird because like Mm -hmm. My insomnia is like insane sometimes. So I would just wake up at 1.30 and I'm like, oh, I'm going to start writing music. <laughs> and I'll do that for like three hours, go to sleep for like another three hours. And then I have to go to work. You know, here's the fun question. Who is your favorite composer besides yourself? <laughs> oh, Tchaikovsky. Ooh, okay. Which Tchaikovsky in particular? Um... You know, the Fifth Symphony, obviously, but I feel like that's so basic. Like, come on. His, um, hey, you know what? If it's if it's real, then it's not basic, you know? <laughs> I know, right? It's true. It's true. You're right. See, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I need to feel that one. Thanks, no, please um, do. <laughs> his piano concerto in B flat makes me weep every oh, time. I mean, nice. like, it's mm-hmm. so good. And just like, you know, I mentioned Bill Slocum earlier. He was my teacher. Uh, when I was going to Youngstown in uh, undergrad and he um, actually like towards the end of my studies, like he had to do like the grad level courses or whatever. And we did a class on Tchaikovsky that he was teaching and him just like, you know, we read these books about his personal life. And I'm just like, man, like Tchaikovsky was just, he was a mama's boy. That was just emotional, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he was just, but his writing and just like the, I really, I think the the main thing that I love about classical music is the different conversations that the, these instruments have. And like just orchestration to me, is just like one of my favorite things, like, you know, having like mm-hmm. a bassoon and a flute, like, like that kind of like matchup or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like English horn and bass clarinet. Like oh, yeah. sometimes like it'll just be these just the colors and just like oh just uh now really that I've gotten really into composing it's just like the decisions that you make like you know mm-hmm. where you choose to put this chord in note where you choose to have the phrase lead to like the story and the journey that composers like just these well the composers from the past have like done it's just, it's all, uh, it's just so good. And I mean, like, yeah. let it be like a good, pia- like, I really, like, a good pianist playing the, uh, the, uh, the piano, what is it? The, uh, the piano concerto on B flat. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh it's yeah. It can so just take you good. away. You know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, oh yeah. I've, I've heard like really, really dramatic players play it before. Like, just like, you know, that they take a bunch of time, like, and I'm just like, the fact that he wrote the cadenzi like in ways that you can stretch it really like a lot, or you can play mm-hmm. it more down to like metronomically. But I just like, just the endless possibilities that Tchaikovsky just created for so many, so many ensembles, so many just different instrumentation. It's just like, it's just it's amazing to me. So yeah, he's the fave yeah. for sure. I love that. I wish he'd written a horn concerto. Can you imagine? I know. Like, like, why? We were deprived. Why? I know. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> yeah, there's. I can think of a couple I'd replace in the canon with with some Tchaikovsky. Right. You know exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. 
You know, you mentioned earlier um, working with people who commission works from you. So just from a like purely business side of the, the industry here, how do you get in touch with people who want to, to commission music? Do you find them? Do they find you? Um, most of the time, to be honest, they do find me. That's great. Um, yeah, like that means I you're making have, it. <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, yes, and it feels amazing to like be in this position. I can't, I can't express that enough. Um, yeah, just you know, during the pandemic, I had like a few opportunities. I think like my first one was I was uh, commissioned to do a brass trio for the University of North Texas, the their brass faculty. And that was like the very first, my very first commission. And it was like during the pandemic. And I was like, what? Like, you know, like it was like, it was. You've only been out this for a couple of years then. Yeah, literally 2020 is when I really started. That was when I got the piece done. Man, listen, let's don't, don't, come on. You're making me blush over here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. I mean, like, it's, I I have a lot of stuff, like, in the works. Like, something big's happening next uh, next year that I can't wait to talk about. I can't tell you now, but I will. Right, right, a little teaser, <laughs> but it's it's gonna be a big thing, and I'm excited about it. But yeah, um, yeah, my teacher gave me that opportunity, and then shortly after, the current teacher that I had at uh, Montclair State when I was getting my artist diploma, um, I got another opportunity, and that was for like a symphonic piece. So that was awesome. So I've just been spreading my little wings. No kidding. That's a big <laughs> genre to write for. That's hard. I can yeah, never. <laughs> it's a lot. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so now, have you also commissioned works as a performer? Is that something you've done? You know, I haven't. Ah, interesting. <laughs> I, I feel bad. I feel like I should, <laughs> but I mean, well, that's the thing. So, you know, I do have a nine to five, which I always mm-hmm. encourage musicians that if you are, some people I understand, they're just like, listen, I'm not good at anything else but music. And I understand that. <laughs> um, but if you do so happen to like me, like I have a financial background. Um, so, you know, if you do so happen to have that kind of thing going, get a nine to five, man. Don't like only live off your art. That's like sometimes he and mm-hmm. you like, you know, are broke and like eating ramen all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> you know I live I mean? in like, Miami. These rent prices, that's all I can afford. <laughs> listen, you know what I mean? Like, so like get a job, you know. So but yeah, I have that. And then I um I still freelance, you know, like I have gigs here and there in New Jersey and then in New York too. Uh so mm-hmm. that's really nice. And then composing is like my other source of income. Like, but my nine to five is like my main thing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I just keep a balance of all three of those and it works, but it it definitely has taken me three incomes to like survive in this inflation. I'll tell you that. Oh my gosh. We finally got gas under $4 down here. I'm telling you, crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh, it's wild. Okay. That kind of segues actually, speaking of challenges and money, what do you think the greatest challenges of your career as a composer or a performer or anything have been so far? Oh, girl. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Loaded. Yeah. You know, know, I mean, 
well, you know, I'll come at it in a very positive way, which is usually the opposite of what I do. But I chose a path to further my education in America, which we all know what that means. Um, And I've accrued a lot of debt, but I've been able to travel and meet new people and form new relationships to make me say that I'm actually happy with my career. So, you know, when the pandemic hit, um, I made lemons out of lemonade. (laughs) Wait, made lemons out of lemonade? Wait, made lemonades out of lemons? Oh my gosh! I I said that with so much confidence, too. And you said it, and it wasn't until you said it back to you. I just want to make sure I wasn't losing it. I was like, wait, did I hear that correctly? She's making it harder for herself. Okay, cool. You know, listen, I'm supposed to be napping right now. I told you I'm old. I'm supposed to be napping because I got off work today and I decided to have a lovely conversation with you. And now you're Which I appreciate. See, no, like you're you're making fun of my lemonades of lemons. Yeah, that would be another good title for the podcast. If you want dibs on composition <laughs> soup, I could do making lemons out of lemonade. That could work just as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is great. Oh. I need a t-shirt yeah. out of that, like making life harder for myself since 1992. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I see I'm ready to start yeah. merchandising. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm ready. I'm all for it, okay? Oh, this is great. Okay, no. sorry, I totally threw you off track. No, you're fine, you're fine. That was awesome. Because <laughs> I literally just said that so confidently, like, yeah, that's it. You're like, but wait, is it in the mic? No, it's like, not. <laughs> oh, incredible. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, you know, um, I, uh, like, like I said, like, you know, just the debt thing has been kind of a lot. And just being in the pandemic, like, you know, I was working at a law firm uh, as like a bookkeeper and like I got laid off because, you know, like the courts were closed and everything. Uh-huh. And so um, I don't know, like some people in the country like had money still. Like I was not one of those people, but like, <laughs> like some people had money some way, somehow. I maybe savings. <laughs> I don't know what that yeah, is. I don't, I don't whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a mystery. But, you know, like so I was just kind of surviving off of uh master classes. Like I was giving master classes like virtually. And you know, again, like that just came from because I uh, teamed up with one of my friends in Atlanta and we were doing these like R&B covers and everybody was like, whoa, you're doing something other than like Mozart on the horn or Strauss. Whoa. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, like, so what else do you do? And I'm like, I do a whole bunch of stuff. And they're like, oh my gosh. So it was just like a thing. Um, so I got, I got to do that. And then, you know, I was working on like these commissions. So you know, you gotta, you gotta deal with this kind of stuff when you're a musician all the time. Like we didn't get into like mm-hmm. nursing degrees or lawyers or accountants or a banker. Like we didn't, we didn't pick that path, but I mean, mm-hmm. I don't regret it at all. Like it definitely mm-hmm. has its like hardships. Like oh, when I'm, when I do a gig and then <laughs> I don't get paid afterwards when I thought I was going to be getting paid afterwards and it takes in three freaking months to give me my check. 
No, oh! that's too long. Three months. Oh my three gosh, months. three so months. Like, oh no, we lost it. And it was like, oh wait, we made you another one. Oh no, it had the wrong address on it. Oh no. And it's just like, just fire, just chaos, just going on in this office. And I'm like, dude, I am in accounts payable. I know how it works. Stop. Can you imagine yeah. telling your landlord, oh no, I lost my check for you. Like, come on. You, you know <laughs> what I mean? Oh, yeah, I just okay. had to express that <laughs> frustration. I know a lot of people feel you go right listen. It. Listen, mm-hmm. it's just, it could be a lot. It could be a lot being a musician in general, but you know, I have found some of the silver linings and I'm happy that I did because it just makes it all worth it, man. I would never want Mm -hmm. to just be submerged in capitalism, like at a job that I actually absolutely loathe and just Mm -hmm. not just not being happy. You know, like I have a nine to five. I'm I'm like a church secretary and, and they're like bookkeeper. And, you know, they pay me really well. And, like, I can tolerate the job. Like, I'm not like, oh, I want to leave, like, all the time. Like, it's it's tolerable. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's helping me stay afloat. It's consistent money. Like, composing and, you know, freelancing is awesome. But it's just, like, I have to pay rent in expensive yeah. house in New Jersey. So, like, <laughs> right. yeah. Absolutely. And that's very yeah. real. I'm a freelancer, too. I completely get it it's it's very much a choice sometimes of you know do I want to go teach this lesson when I have a 102 degree fever you know or not pay them my electricity bill you know like you gotta you know figure out what's going on in your life it's tough it's really tough it really is you like you said you gotta you just gotta make certain decisions but I'm like extremely happy with where I am right now and it just you know It's only up mm. from here, man. It's just like I keep getting more and more opportunities. I'm going to be starting up um, a little duo situation that's actually going to be getting me playing more with a friend from back home in Cleveland. So, you Ooh. know, it's going to be some Horn shows. Or what are we talking? It's going to be horn and trumpet and electronics. Oh, cool. Oh, and yeah. electronics. Love it. Here for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, so it's just like, there's going to be some things there. That, so, you know, like the, the possibilities are endless, but like I said, mm-hmm. I, with all the debt, with all of the, you know, waiting 75,000 years for checks and, you know, with all <laughs> that flim flam, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, oh, that's another good one. <laughs> right, right. I would never. I don't regret any of it. You know, I'm. I'm so mm-hmm. happy of where my journey has taken me. And you know, like I said, it, it's only up from here. Next, I'm that's gonna be Lizzo great. with a French horn. Boom. Hey, I'm ready. I will be waiting. They'll bring out some crystal French horn for you to play. Let's go. <laughs> Come on, right? And I'll be listening. <laughs> I try not to drop it. No, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm going to be Lizzo yeah, with, like, you know, more clothes, but, like, with a French horn. That's me. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's so literally me. Oh, that's yep. that's the dream, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, literally, the yeah. dream. Oh, and within these challenges that you face and, you know, going to the college and all that stuff, do you feel like you've ever had anything, you know, explicitly, words are hard, explicitly <laughs> hard because of um, gender or race for you? Do you feel like that's been an influence on your career? Ooh, yeah. I know that's a loaded um, question. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I'm happy that, like, I love, I, I'm like a deep ass person. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you <laughs> You know, I feel like I have 
uh, it's like kind of bittersweet. I've played it to my advantage being a black woman and being a composer and a French horn player because, you know, I don't like just checking off a diversity box for somebody. Like, you know, I think that, well, I know that I get the work that I do because I'm a credible French horn player, but also because I'm a black woman. So if you can have like the best of both worlds, then it's like, yeah, let's pick her. And listen, I I don't have any shame with taking that money. <laughs> if I'm going to nope. enter something because I'm specifically a black gay woman, like I'm completely fine with that. <laughs> That's like completely you. okay with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily like a sellout and you know I've kind of like thought about that and felt that before like you know some of these black musicians will get fellowships and it's literally like this is a fellowship that you have to audition for nonetheless but it's a fellowship because we want your black face to make our orchestra look like we like diversity and I'm like oh that definitely feels a little sellout ish but also, you know, if you're getting paid, well, man, why not? And you get to provide representation in these contexts, mm-hmm. too. So it's right. just like that's that's the biggest thing for me. Representation is so, so, so important. I mean, like people don't uh, understand just the mm-hmm. possibilities and the different things that can come from representation. Like mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody that looked like me that was playing the French horn or the flute or the clarinet or whatever else. Like when I was in elementary school and all these people came to like, let us try out these instruments, all of them were white. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I love music so much that I didn't even care about the color, of course, but it's just like what it could have done for me to see it, a black woman, a black woman playing the French horn and that Mm -hmm. even being an option when I was nine Dude, I would be a monster. Like, I would be the greatest French horn player ever. Right. I would be so good. I mean, like, not saying that I, like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, like, if mm-hmm. me seeing that and having that representation at such a young age could have made me even a better musician. Like, you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, you just never know. Like, the connections, the conversations, the support that when somebody who looks like you is in that position, like what they could do mm-hmm. for you, you know what I mean? So, absolutely. you know, I, um, you know, I've gotten in situations, honestly, more so like in the real world, opposed to like being in music, um, just like as a black person in general, just, you know, dealing with like, you know, I told you I used to work at a bank and like somebody asked me if I knew how to count. <laughs> just like, I'm like, stop. We're in a bank. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why do you think it's I have this like, job? Do you know how to count? Like, come on. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just like, you know, and it's just like, you could just already tell the vibe of people. But even being in those situations has made me an even better communicator. And I have boundaries and I know what I take and what I don't take. I am a very outspoken mm-hmm. person. So I don't tolerate any kind of disrespect from anybody at all. But, you know, like people usually, I feel like I have a certain essence where people usually know to be on their best behavior. <laughs> like I'm not intimidating <laughs> like at all. Like, I'm, you know, anybody will tell you, like, I'm like a cool, super chill person. But it's just like, I've had, you know, unfortunately, 
white men like kind of try to test to be like oh so you know you play jazz it's like yeah <laughs> it's like so like um did you grow up with that is that like just a thing for you or just like just challenging me with stuff like oh so who did you study with and who do you know and you know that's like just any typical guy is trying to size up a woman like regardless of race but then it'll mm-hmm. just get into more specific questions of just like you know, so do you always wear your hair like that at like concerts? Like somebody asked me that recently and I was like, like what? And he was just like, like, do you like straighten it at all? And I was like, so, no, I don't actually. He was like, oh, he was like really surprised. And I was like, dude, what? I'm like, and I'm like, why are you as this straight white dude looking at me, asking me about my hair? I would want to, I would really want to clap back and be like, okay, do you always wear your face like that? Like, <laughs> you know, much, but that's my first thought. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. and I asked him, the myself, audacity. I'm like, so for like, this isn't his name, but I'm like, I don't know why I want him to be Tom right now. I'm like, so Tom, <laughs> like, do you, do you think my hair is unprofessional? He's like, I mean, like, I've seen it in, like, funk groups and stuff. And I'm like, oh, dude, like, you are literally just, like, stereotyping and gaslighting the heck out of it. I'm just like, all right, this conversation is over. Don't worry yeah. about my afro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just and I, don't and worry about And that's so important. So knowing that line hits, you're like, we're not engaging with this. We're done. Moving you on. Know, Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I just swiftly walked away. And, you know, like stuff happens or, oh, this is just the other thing I was so like, (laughs) I was in a rocket orchestra recently here in New York and Mm -hmm. the like producer money person, like he had the money, he paid me, I don't know, (laughs) like just the, the manager or something of the group, um, you know, rock and roll was the theme. And so he wanted to bring up the whole, you know, the origin of rock and roll, which we know from some of our music history classes that that origin of rock and roll will not necessarily be the most factual. Like we will mm-hmm. say that the Beatles magically came up with rock and roll. Um, or Elvis. <laughs> Or Elvis, right. Elvis was like the start of that, or, you know, just not giving homage to any of like the black pioneers in, in rock and roll, like Muddy Waters and stuff. But it wasn't even that. He was just like, and this was like in front of the audience. He was just, well, he was going to say this. But like during the rehearsal, like everybody stopped him, like, no, because mind you, like I was the only black person in the orchestra. And so he's just like, you know. Rock and roll comes from the classic sounds of the cotton fields in the 1920s and 1930s. And I'm like, the classic sounds? You mean like the whips and the chains and people getting murdered? Like, (laughs) it was just like, it was just like, you know, and he was just like the people of the of the South and the and the cotton fields graciously gave rock and roll to great groups like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and blah blah blah. And I was just like, Ooh. you, um, okay. So you know, it's just like that kind of stuff. And he also, I, well, I'll note that he was from the UK, and so like you know, over there, racism is like a little different. And they don't really understand. I mean, I don't want to say they don't understand, but they don't, sometimes they don't realize like 
how freaking heavy it still is here. And you're talking mm-hmm. about like an American thing, like an American mm-hmm. homegrown thing. And it's just like, whoa. So, you know, I pulled him to the side and I was like, hey, I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> like, I didn't even ask him. And again, this is like the producer. He's not the conductor, but I'm like, you can't say that. I'm like, that's extremely inappropriate. <laughs> he was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> you know, and, he could just, and again, he could just see it on my face. He's like, you're right. You know what? I'm, I'm so, so, you know, and the apologies happen. But yeah, all I have to say is that people can be really ignorant, man. And it's just, and I mean, ignorant in the literal sense of the term, just like they just do not know that it's not okay to say stuff. But you know, mm-hmm. your good friend Shanice is going to let you know in the most <laughs> kindest way, though. I like, like letting people down pretty easily. Just like, hey, don't don't say that. You can't you can't say that. And they'll be like, that's oh, very why? kind of like, you to say it in a nice way because it could be just yeah. as easy, easy to like you know burn the world down. You know, I know, <laughs> but that's the thing that I want. I would much rather a person learn mm-hmm. than opposed to them. You know, me being really angry because people will like people won't listen to you when you're screaming at them and when you're angry because all they can feel is the anger, but. If I'm intensely looking mm-hmm. at you, they feel the guilt. It's just like, you know, your parents saying, like, I'm disappointed in you, opposed to them being like, ah, it's just like, dang, like, why didn't I know better? Why didn't I know that that was really ignorant to say? I'm like, yeah, you got some, mm-hmm. you got some shadow work to do, friend, but uh, don't say that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah man at least he was receptive enough that he listened to you know that's that's always absolutely right because that does not always happen so that's the thing Mm -hmm. so but but yeah you know it's all good I didn't have any (laughs) bad feelings I'm just like yeah I'm glad we had that talk love you Mm -hmm. and I just walked off (laughs) like thank you bye (laughs) right right exactly Yeah. yeah, and I feel like um, I feel like we were talking about boundaries earlier. I feel like that's really important right now, especially um, since all the Black Lives Matter movement kicked in. Yeah. I feel like Black people in particular are being asked for a lot of unpaid labor to try and educate everybody else, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh wait a second, <laughs> that is not you're not getting paid for this. <laughs> oh man, see that's I know that's a whole other podcast. Another podcast, girl. All right, session number three. Lord. yeah no it, you're but you're absolutely right and sometimes that's the thing sometimes I am like very nice about it and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like I don't I'm not talking about that right now like somebody mm-hmm. asked me like you know like well how did your hair grow so fast I'm like you know what there's you, you might want to google that look that up on YouTube it'll show you exactly just literally type in exactly how you would say it which I know would be like you know how do black women get their hair done or make it grow so fast and you will see somebody getting hair extensions and it'll tell you exactly how they get inserted and everything installed boom Mm -hmm. somebody's already done that work you don't need to do that work (laughs) right you know what I mean I'm just like it's Mm -hmm. we have the internet it's there so sometimes yeah i'm just not in the mood and i don't feel like it but i will kindly direct them to google yep <laughs> we have this beautiful thing you can go do the work yourself <laughs> yep yep it's easy just a couple words is all you need and it'll come right up for you incredible oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well we are running out of time i could keep talking to you for like I five know. more hours i, I i'm game for the repeat sessions like let's go <laughs> i know 
Oh, let's let's wrap it up with something kind of fun. Um, yes. What hobbies and activities do you do for fun outside of music? Since this is your side hustle, what's your side side hustle? <laughs> side side. Um, I love like I'm a big gamer, but like not like necessarily video games. Like I love going to arcades, Pac-Man, oh, uh, mm-hmm. Galaxia, I think Galaxy, whatever it's called. You know, like I like the yeah, old school be. games. But like David Buster's what's the one that's in my up, jam. Um, Pong. Do you play Pong? That's one of the bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I like that one. That one's fun. Yeah. That's, listen, that one, or like Centipede, like, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So like, mm-hmm. you know, anybody, you know, I'm single, you know, anybody wants hey. to be out on a date, you know, David Buster's. You're making their job so easy. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Like, take me out to Dave's, give me a little food, a little games, and I'm okay. But yeah, so no, I love, uh, I love like doing that. And then, yeah, so I mean, other than that, other than doing the arcade games, I like painting too. And I'm not like any good, like I'll like, you know, do smiley faces or something, but I just like, oh, and coloring. I like coloring. It's really very therapeutic for me. Are you a color inside the lines kind of gal or don't care? Absolutely inside the lines. If it's out, I destroy the whole thing and do something else. I'm such a perfectionist. Amazing. (laughs) Like, no, I went out a little bit. I'll just throw it away and I'll just get another one. Here's here's the other hard-hitting color question. Are you markers or colored pencil? Uh, markers that might be the most divisive markers all right that might be the most divisive question of the pod (laughs) (laughs) right right right, for sure oh my gosh okay and then do you have any upcoming projects or pieces you'd like to promote i'm sure you do oh okay so yeah so november 18th if anybody's in harlem I'm going to be having um, a little solo show and I haven't done a solo show in a really Ooh. long time. And it's going to be a tuba player there, a trumpet player and a guitar player. Like it's going to be that very odd quartet. Like, but the tuba player is awesome. All the musicians are awesome. So in Harlem, I can give you Incredible. more details at another time, but it's in yes, Harlem. Yes, I'll post so. them. That's a thing. Perfect. And then uh, mm-hmm. February 8th, I'm going to be doing a concert at Kent State University with Teresa May. That's my trumpet playing friend that I mentioned earlier. Amazing. We're going to be doing a bunch of cool stuff with electronics. So awesome. February 8th, Kent State. Boom. Amazing. And you, are you, correct me if I'm wrong, are you writing a piece for this book of um, solos for the young horn player that's coming out? I am. I, I did actually. Oh. Yeah, oh, okay. I wrote a little piece and it's so fun. It's like, you know. It's supposed to be for younger horn players, but I just feel like it's like, you know, a good like standard, like, you know, it's like three yes. minutes long, you know, not mm-hmm. too long, just like a little splash or something. And of course, yeah, not it has a huge some commitment, grooving. but like put on your recital. Right, yeah, right. Okay, you know, cool. mm-hmm. It's groove and has nice melodies in it. So yeah. So yep, that I, love that's it. a big thing. Yep. And is that already published or is that coming out soon? It should be soon i feel like it's already published i could be mistaken okay. but it's okay. definitely like been in the work so it should be out by like before the end of this year okay great love it yeah that's so important to write for like everybody kind of like like having those younger pieces that people can play because you know then we don't get all stuck playing adagio and allegro every five minutes you know? so. <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yep yep exactly oh yeah that's so important oh shanice this has been 
amazing. I could literally keep talking to you forever. Um, right? Right, <laughs> you. I know. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. This has just been so much fun. I don't think I've laughed that hard in a while. <laughs> so right. It's always nice. <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness and thank you everybody for tuning in um you know we'll be back again next week with more you know composers talking about the horn (laughs) yeah yeah thank you so much this has been represent the podcast for more episodes you can find us at spotify and apple podcasts or on my website www.katiebethmckinney.com if you liked what you heard today please rate us five stars or leave a review thank you for listening